2: talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world, and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do?
1: Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, oh, yeah. Nothing.
2: Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If sh-. I had him.
3: Blowing well, up big stacks and jacks. I'm tomorrow we well, on the board. S&P futures are. Let's see what they are. S&P futures are down 1175. Nasdaq futures down 36. Dow futures up down 128. We were up most of the day yesterday, and then kind of turned mixed on the close. There's a quick review, Dow was down 112. SP and p down three, and Nasdaq up 66. So a big, huge day on Friday, which it looked like we were going to continue during the show yesterday. Well, that's not continued. Brennan, how are you? I'm doing pretty well this morning, Chief. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you didn't get pulled over on the on the drive yesterday, did you? No, I didn't. I mean, What new, happened on the drive? In your new tradesman's van, now that you're retired as an attorney?
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, our, our, one of our new cub reporters, Dr. J, c- calls me yesterday and he says, Hey, I'm on the drive. They got all these guys pulled over like pickup trucks and tradesman's vans. They must Because ah. tra- they must be trying to actually enforce some laws. I'll bet those guys have been driving that thing for 15 years and never got pulled over.
4: Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've seen those pickup trucks, and even some box trucks on the drive that seem to get away with it, and uh, you never see the cops pulling anybody over.
3: Well, and you never see anybody. I mean, I remember the, the day where a pickup truck couldn't make it down the express lanes at ran
5: mm-hmm. without
3: somebody pulling yeah. them over now. But I, I, that's a safe place to start. I mean, that's not state police. That's Chicago, right? Right, it's a safe place to start. You don't have to worry about a guy with the blackened out windows going 100 miles an hour with smoke coming out of the top. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to worry about that. You know, so uh, aren't, yeah, aren't you happy that uh, Governor? I'm sure as hell not a not a Pritzker fan. I don't know why I can't stand him, man. But this guy Bailey is the, was the big Bush against against the assault weapons ban and the and the more more bullets in the clip. How it's you know it's it's assailing his rights. What is what is with this guy?
4: Bailey or the Bailey, well,
3: assault the whole, rifle ban? Well, the, the, the no, I'm saying Bailey is against the ban. Uh, yeah,
4: I, does, I, I don't understand that. You know, and you know, I I am going to you know, just say flat out. I understand the argument of the Second Amendment and the and the right to have guns, but assault rifles are not guns that people everyday citizens should have. They are meant to be in a war zone, and um, I, I think a, a ban on that or a ban on large clips. Uh, are necessary
3: well I think the uh, as I recall from my concealed carry class which I never actually went and got my license but I did do t- take the class and learned a hell of a lot I think Brendan I don't know if you know this but the uh, better than me because the guy said it of course it was last summer I don't remember it was, I think the, the, in Chicago the most bullets you can have a clip is either 8 or 10 and the Illinois law is 12 or something 12 or 16. 16?
4: 16? Um, 12 sounds right.
3: Uh, but it's, I think you can actually get 16. You can get, you can get a double 8, right? Clip? hmm Well, so of course nobody's ever going to get arrested for the Chicago law when the state law... I think they tried to bring that, that number down to 10 or 12 or whatever instead of 16.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: So tell me exactly why somebody needs 16 bullets in a clip.
4: I, I can't justify that. I, I, I really can't justify that. Um... And when you look at the, the crime rate overall, the last thing you want is people walking around with more gun, more bullets in the clip.
3: Yeah, the only thing I will say, and you know, and there's always something in the other side's defense, uh, Brendan, is uh, they are against anything that will, as they used to say in the CBO, get the camel's nose under the tent.
4: Yeah, I understand that. That's what the, what the NRA folks say a lot. That if if you ban an assault weapon or you ban the you know those those hundred bullet barrel things you put on the guns that the next step after that is taking everybody's gun away and well, i mean that's just an, an logical argument
3: well i mean I, I i can certainly see how the regulatory you know malaise that i think we're in in a lot of areas it sure started that way in my industry mm-hmm. you know it went from uh you know open outcry and, and people settle their own issues and you know of course you had floor officials if somebody broke a rule but uh, you know, to where oh no no nobody could even do an out an open outcry trade that's not legal. Well, how, why is it not legal? I mean, what, what why why is that kind of trade? Oh well, no, that's how how do we know that 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 it's that it, that it was done okay? Well, who are you? Why do you have to know? As long as as long as it's open outcry and everybody can hear it, it's pretty obvious that. And yet they've gone from there to a an electronic system where nobody can track anybody down who's nefarious. Yet they like it better because they can they can. Find people for not mess, you know not doing things properly on the system, or or, or not, not whether it doesn't even matter whether you whether you uh, cause a problem. It's it's if you if you miss the system. So I can understand. Right, but I'm going
4: to push back on that argument a little bit. anytime time there are trades like that, how many people get killed or are put into a space where doctors have to? Use uh, extraordinary enough to close the bullet holes Because of how big they are
0: well, I, I, I,
3: I, I, As you know, I'm with you on this argument I'm just saying That the the camel's nose under the tent by the regulators Is, is something you do have to fear
4: Yeah, it, but you've also got a Supreme Court And a lot of appellate courts That would never let it get that far Especially under the current uh, composition of the, of the Supreme Court But, you know, common sense has to prevail at some point When you look at the mass shootings for God's sake!
3: Even what happened at the Highland Park last year, oh, yeah. of July. I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, Brennan is a, I'm, I'm trying to articulate any little shred of what the other argument might have. Is <laughs> all so, so I'm trying to do, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. When mm-hmm. I go, when the guy was showing me that was the eight bullet clip at the, at the, uh, in my concealed carry class, I'm like, God, that's a lot of bullets. Then he shows me one that has 16 in it. I go. That's like way too many. <laughs> so it's not, like yeah. not, it's not like I'm not with you. Plus, mm-hmm. it, plus you know, it, let's put it this way. If, how, how's this sound? This sounds like so stupid, yet it almost makes sense. If you have a, a, a five-shooter or a six-shooter, your aim has got to be halfway decent. If you got 16 shots, you can spray the whole neighborhood, which is what they're doing. That's right. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I just said that, but it's, I mean, it's the truth. I mean, one of my judge buddies said, what we really ought to do is send all these guys to shooting class.
4: <laughs> you know, that, that sounds funny when you say that. Um, and it, it's a ridiculous thing to say. I can't believe I laughed at that. But, I mean, it's so outrageous that it, it is almost humorous to say yeah. something like that. Well,
3: it almost makes uh, sense. At least hit the guy who's shooting at.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I'd rather go the other way and not... Uh, allow the the first
3: shot to be fired anyway. In that case, <laughs> well, I mean, I think the I'm trying to remember the the first three rules of of guns was uh was the first one was assume every gun is loaded, and the second one is don't ever point it at anybody, and the third one is before you discharge it, even for a legitimate reason, you have to take you have to take uh, a, a view of what your surroundings are. You can't shoot at a person with 15 people behind them.
4: mm mm-hmm.
3: Even if the person is shooting at you, you just can't do that, you know, <laughs> because what if you miss, I and mean, you're probably gonna miss, you know, and uh, yeah, the likelihood
4: is you're gonna miss.
3: Yeah, so I mean, it, so I mean, obviously, the, the group that does this, they don't care about anybody, be- anything behind the person they want to shoot at, which is just, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know, very, very, very strange situation. So what, uh, what, what do you, what do you make of uh, the, uh, the stuff that went on in Congress?
0: Represent- With, uh, the, the uh, House
3: of The
4: ballot election for Kevin yeah. McCarthy?
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah, you and I have talked about this on the show before about minority rule. And I think that what happened last week is a prime example that for the next two years one or two things will happen or some combination of both. The first thing is, that will happen is there will be total gridlock. Not a thing will get passed in Congress for the next two years. The second thing is that the minority will rule the Republican Party in the House of Representatives. Um, unless, I mean, there, there's one exception to this, and I really cannot see McCarthy doing this as long as he's Speaker. And I say as long as he's Speaker because with the rules that he's um, agreed to for the House... By the way, I don't know if they got passed, yesterday. I know they were still struggling to try to get the House rules passed, but the idea that any one member could have a snap vote, a voice vote to remove him could make it very difficult for him to, uh, to lead anything in the next couple of years. But anything that, that for the Republicans to move forward, they're going to have to change what's known as the Hassard rule. Remember Jenny Hassard when yeah. he was the Speaker of the House?
3: Yeah, and all I, all I keep thinking about is who exactly was behind him how he got that job? Well, where, the, where the money was, the whole, the whole switch from him, you know, how he got that job is, is scary. That's that. a,
4: a very, very good question, and I don't know the backstory at that. But when he came, you know, he came in shortly after uh, Newt Gingrich as Speaker of the House, and the Hazard Rule is that the Speaker of the House would not bring anything to the floor, and uh, because it was a Republican issue, I'm going to use the Republican Party, but he would not use, he would not bring anything to the floor unless the, his caucus alone would pass it. So he. Even if it was a bipartisan bill, he would not bring it to the floor for a vote unless he knew that it could pass solely with the members of the Republican Party, his party.
3: Is this a, a rule if or if just
4: that, if, that, if that goes forward with with McCarthy, we're never going to see a bill getting passed because I think the it, there'll be an extreme movement from the far right, from the Marjorie Taylor Greens, from the uh, the Matt Gaetz, the Lauren Boeberts, who will block anything or if they try to push forward too much, there will be some moderates who can't live with that and will push back. So it'll be a split caucus. They would be able to adopt some legislation if they would have a certain number of Republicans and get the the balance of the 218 votes with some Democrats crossing over. But I just don't see that happening right now.
3: Well, when you say the Hastert rule, is that a rule or is that a convention while Hastert was there?
4: It was uh, an one of those unwritten rules of the of the Republican leadership.
3: Well, that's what it is—an unwritten rule. I mean, uh, I'm going to say Trump, and uh, before him, Dick Cheney, and a bunch of other people have let us all know that these alleged rules are not rules at all. They're just conventions that somebody wants to do the other, th- the an opposite. Mm-hmm.
4: Right. But my point is that the the idea was that nothing would come up for a vote unless Hastert could pass it. Hastert and the Republicans at that time could pass it without even one Democratic vote. And that was done for most of the time, and I think it was still done uh, even under the time of Boehner and uh, Paul Ryan after Hastert left.
3: Well, that's a way of keeping your your charges in line.
4: It is. It certainly is a way to keep your charges aligned, but it also means that very little will get done if you have a a small, vocal minority who's opposed to anything or some of the things that you want to do.
3: Well, I was going to ask you, I don't know, I think you followed this closer than I did, I was just looking at the votes, but um, some of the published, uh, basically, squawks these people had, and there might have been something behind the scenes, you know, totally more right-wing or something or other, way more... I'll use the term conservative, or or demanding committee, you know, uh, stuff. I really have a, uh, issues with several things, Bernie. I don't like the idea that the people that are in there think they run the place, and the new people are just a bunch of you just give me your vote and go work out in the club, and I'll call you when I need you. I mm-hmm. have a real problem with that. Plus, the the published reasons, things that these guys were bitching about, now whether or not that's actually the truth, was no more omnibus bills, no more bills with. Like forty different discussions, you when know, a one bill, one one reason, I agreed with all that stuff.
4: Yeah, I, I mean it, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with some of the ways that Congress works. Um, the, but yeah, you know, that's also the so-called sausage making. You don't really want to see how the sauce is being made, and sometimes those are the only ways that you can get legislation in. Just like earmarks. Remember, for a while, the big thing was Well, that was another earmarks. thing.
3: They didn't want earmarks. That's they claimed they wanted and. Yeah.
4: Uh, recently, they have been allowed, and a lot of Republicans have taken have availed themselves of earmarks for their legislation.
3: Well, I mean, I think, I you know, I I, I would say that uh, I don't I don't care what party we're in, Brendan. That if certainly if people of our age, and I'm going to include uh, Keith Peacow, he's not our age, but he's in his fifties. I. I'm gonna bet, even though he's not—I don't think he's all that conservative. He'd have been—he'd have been on the side of these guys. I'm not gonna—I'm mm-hmm. not gonna sit on the end of the bench for ten years. Mm-hmm. I'm coming here to be of a, a representative. And by the way, you're a representative too. You don't get to outclass me by—you get everything and I get nothing. I mean, that's not—I don't think most American people realize that's what's going on.
4: Uh, I I agree in, in concept. Anybody who's elected, even a first-term uh, congressman, should have a say in some things, um, and you know. Rightly or wrongly, seniority has ruled for a long period of time.
3: Well, but the seniority, I you know, I understand you're not going to put. I mean, I I, just, I chaired four different committees on the CBOE. I mean, I know that the, the the day somebody gets appointed to it, you don't make the person chairman. Right. I, I mean, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. But by the same token, uh, you you can't be left out in the hall either, and and there are people who have an awful lot of ability. I mean, somebody could have been a CEO and is now a representative. That guy shouldn't have to wait, you know, five terms before he gets a, even a, a vice chair of a committee. I mm-hmm. mean, you guys, the guy's been running something for, for longer than anybody in there has. You know, so it's plus the combination of the people that are running these places and the lobbyists and the money. It seems like the top 30 people are just totally co opted, it seems to me. I mean, I'm sure that's probably a, a, a bad thing to say, but it seems like it might be.
4: Well, I've got no base to, to verify what you just said, but, you know, I also think that when we're looking at congressmen or senators, it matters to have somebody who's intelligent, and I think in many cases, people on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, especially when they're elected in a safe district, um, just move up the chain because they're in a safe district, and uh, and... and They're not very smart people, and they're not idealistic enough to really look out for the benefit of the country. Um, You know, okay, let me give you one example right now. Would you really trust a committee in the hands of George Santos right now?
3: I was just going to ask him, was he he one of your relatives?
4: (laughs) No, I don't think he came from any part of Ireland, although he, he might have really done that and then tried to claim he was a Jewish... Uh, Hispanic, uh, I'm not I'm mature <laughs> well
3: they said he was uh, he was Jewish
4: yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, when, I, when I heard him say that uh, I, I couldn't believe he said it with a straight face I mean, how bold faced of a liar can you be to say I never said I was Jewish I said I was Jewish and when you look at him in the context of the film remarks that he made you couldn't distinguish, and it was clear he was not saying I was Jew hyphen-ish.
3: What does that even mean?
4: Uh, I'm sort of like a Jew because I can I can empathize with the Jews because we've got so much in common. And family members were, you know, in, I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, so I'm Jew-ish.
3: So if you grew up in, say, Mount Green, where you had some Lithuanians, mostly Irish, some Lithuanians, could you say you were Lithuanian-ish? Yeah, or
4: Irish? Uh, Irish, Irishish.
3: Ah, Irishish. I like that. Well, I mean, why don't they sort a guy out?
4: Um, well, they may do that. There may be an investigation by the ethics committee, but the reason they they didn't take any action first, they couldn't under Supreme Court decision. They could not kick him out or ban him from taking oath of office um, under the rule of law because he met the requirements of age and residency in the united, in citizenship in the united states however once he's in the house of representatives can take action to expel him or like uh, adam Clayton powell for example is somebody who was expelled um so they could take action but kevin mccarthy may not want to take any action against him because he's a vote for mccarthy and look how close it was for mccarthy you know arguably santos was the vote that put him over the top
3: well, you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, and I. by the way, I had this somewhat vigorous argument with uh, a, a retired attorney, a liberal re- retired attorney at the Triple E TAP. Many uh, knows what I'm talking about. And he was giving me the, you know, Chief, you, you, you can't say stuff like that because people believe you, and if you don't check all your sources and aren't 100% correct, uh, you're leading people the wrong way. Uh, and by the way, he's absolutely right about that so yeah i i take the criticism but um there's also a a uh, um there's an undercurrent to this brennan and you're going to disagree with me totally where i was talking about you know people in congress people don't believe them at all they think they're all in there for the money and mm-hmm. he says well he says well you can't make a statement like that and this guy's name is luke real nice guy real bright uh by the way, if you argue with you better better bring your, your a game because he's you know he's pretty darn pretty darn smart and uh and I I had absolutely the the connection we had or the connection we weren't making was he's absolutely correct unless you unless you accuse you know unless you accuse like the people the top people in government unless every one of them is is taking cash from some lobbyist or something you probably have no business saying that. However there's always a trip side, is that if enough people are doing it to where the other people don't even call them out for it, then it's, you know, you all get tired with the same brush. And I don't know where that, where that all comes across, but virtually the population now is convinced that the top 20 people in Congress on both sides have really enriched themselves since they've been there, way beyond mm-hmm. their, their salary. And, and the fact is, that's true, Brennan. Now, out of the top ten senators, are there two or three or four people who never think of doing such a thing? Probably. But it doesn't matter. They're quiet about it. You know, it's it's like the policeman. My, my grandfather, uh, well, my stepfather's dad, so I guess it wasn't exactly my grandfather. He was a policeman, first with the, the Park District, and then they all got taken over by the Chicago Police. I mean, before my time. Uh, but he said he was with guys that he couldn't let him in the house. You know, you, you stay in the car. Because every time the guy went in the house, he came out with a bottle of booze or something. Yeah. You know, and, he, and he never.
4: I, I've heard those stories too.
3: He said he never, uh, you know, he, he never squealed at anybody. But the guys that were like that, he just said, "No, you stay in the car. I'll go in." You know. So he, you know, he did. it He fought his own battle. Yep. But for somebody to say every time a cop comes to my house, I, I see me missing something. You know, he, he didn't. He didn't help that at all. Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, I, I mean, I, I honestly don't think that I really thought, you know, thirty years ago, twenty-five years ago, that the people that I remember, the senators I saw were Adlai Stevenson, you know, Paul Simon, uh, for that matter, even Ted Kennedy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you got Dan Inouye, people like me. These are people that when they talked, I listened. I I didn't think there was somebody shoving a a check in their pocket in the middle of their speech. And now Mm -hmm. I I don't feel that about any of these guys. I honestly don't. I mean, is it just me getting grumpy, or what?
4: I share your concerns.
3: So, yeah, it's wrong for me to say something like the top 15, 20 people must be just getting, you know, must be just in bed with the lobbyists. But the fact is, it seems like they are. <laughs> you know, and I, enough to where everybody knows who is and who isn't. I mean, look how much money McConnell's made since he's been there. Look how much money, and you know, his wife's jobs. And look at Pelosi's husband. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry the guy got beat up. But all these people, they've, they've got multitudes of cash more than they went in there. And we all know what they're supposed to be making.
4: Well, I, I think that Pelosi was doing pretty well for himself before Nancy got elected to Congress, but certainly he's increased over time. Um, and and I, I think there are people who did have successful businesses before they went into Congress. Uh, but overall, I agree with you. It's really strange. Um, and again, I'm going to point to Santos, where when he ran in 2020, he listed his, uh, that he was making $50,000 in salary. When he ran in 2022... He's at a point where he can lend himself seven hundred thousand dollars and doesn't explain where he's in his income from. Um, and he's still allowed to take his seat and remain in his seat even after the election without the rest of the Republican thing.
3: Well, I mean you're I was gonna say your buddies, I'm sure he's not your buddy. Was it was it Terrence Smith that got booted out of the state legislature here? Derek. Derek Smith. Derek Smith. He's, he was my guy. Mm-hmm. And of course, he gets elected again, like unopposed.
4: Yeah, no, uh, no. When he uh, ran again, he what he did have somebody against him um, that was nominally supported by the Democratic Party, but it was a guy that had little chance to win.
3: But I mean, he was unopposed in the general. There was no Republican.
4: Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, th- you are right because that was the primary.
3: So he ended up with. Uh, so once you, you now, this guy if. I mean, for him not to get booted or for not anybody there to show a, a, a huge outrage or for uh, the guy not calling for him to resign is an affront to the American people. It's affront to anybody. So, but I will say, that, I mean, I'm not going to say this, I'm going to ask you, if he gets booted and there's another election there and he gets elected again, then you can't boot him again, right? A, Why not? Well, but Well, in the Illinois State Senate, what, if a guy gets elected back in, you can't boot him for the same thing.
4: Well, yeah, that, that's kind of the double jeopardy argument. And, yeah, that's what happened with Derek Smith. When he came back in after his re-election, after been expelled from the, from the House, they said that he's already been punished for his actions the last time, so we can't kick him out this time. Um, but still, it seems ridiculous. I mean, that's why, uh, you know, if you're going to enforce rules like that, you really say, you know, you're, you're convicted of, of bad acts, You're done, (laughs) yeah. And and when you're talking about some of the other things that have happened, you know, we've we've got prime examples in our recent state history. Uh, First, what Blagojevich did when he was arrested and and impeached and then kicked out and barred forever again, versus somebody like Mike Madigan, whose trial has now been set for November of next year. And the idea of horse trading, politicking, law, law law rolling. Uh, you know, helping your friends out in a way that is distinguishable from what Bogoyevich did. Well, this and guy, everybody does it. That well, was Bogoyevich's argument.
3: Well, this guy, if his, if his buddy actually supposedly, I was reading last night that one of his staff members was uh, saying he was uh, um, who, who just won the speakership. Where am going brain dead? Uh, that he was his chief of staff getting money for him. So he was he was misrepresenting who he was on the phone. You, oh yeah, that. I heard about that too.
4: That, yeah. yeah, That he said that one of the people who was calling whether it was him or somebody else on his staff, said that the caller was from Kevin McCarthy's staff. So give me money. That Kevin McCarthy's supporting me. I, I heard that story last, yeah, last was, couple of uh, days. He
3: said he was McCarthy's chief of staff or something. Yeah, <laughs> Brennan. If you wrote a book, you even you, you wrote, you, you label this as fiction, you wouldn't sell one, one, one book. And yet here it is, playing out. in How front of How true
4: is that? How true is that that a lot of this stuff? If, if we were to bring this to a uh, a book writer, or you know, for fiction or a Hollywood movie, they say, no one's going to believe that.
3: <laughs> it is amazing. All right, buddy, take care of yourself. SB. Peter's up 7 I'm sorry, down seventeen is if he's down seventy three after two days of being up, used to saying up. but now we got to say down today, at least so far. Be right back, stacks
2: and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
1: 8810, or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, Innovation in Human Resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona.
3: Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. back stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SP and futures down 19. as We're kind of slipping in the darkness here after uh, I mean we, were, we were up pretty good yesterday morning and kind of leaked the whole rest of the day to finish mixed uh, after the huge day on Friday. Dow futures down 146. Individual stocks had Boeing down almost 6 bucks down to 202.60 so in danger of going under 200. That's the big mover in the Dow. Uh, got Salesforce down 14 we We've got a... Uh, well, Ask Joel about this. We've had a lot of stocks that have They've gone up because they're laying people off. I never quite could get that part, but somehow we've been doing that. We're in Europe. We've got the DAX down 70.5%. FTSE down 14.2%, so not much there. around down 48.7%, so moderately down there. In Asia, Nikkei up 201.8%. Hang Seng actually down a little bit, down 56 points. It's 0.2%, but still over 21,000. A far cry from 145 late October. Shanghai down 6, 3169. It's 0.2%, so not much going on over there. Yesterday, we finished down 112 in the Dow, down 3 in the S&P, and up 66 in the NASDAQ. So we finished mixed after a very strong opening. Uh, Bands up 5 basis points, 3.57. They went up 7 basis points, 2.28. They're actually kind of closing in on us a little bit. They're still a point lower, but uh, a lot different from the day when they were like minus 0.8 and we were positive 1. Uh, Japan, unchanged, but they're 50, 5.51 now, actually 5.06, which is the... A little bit above the upper end the Japanese government said you guys can run to. So I wonder what they're gonna do about that, if anything. Oil up thirty-three cents, seventy-four ninety-six, Brent up twenty-eight cents, seventy-nine ninety-three, natural gas down thirteen cents, three seventy-seven. Is everybody in the suburbs are getting tax bills like or gas bills like four times last year when gas is like actually lower than last year? That's just swell. Uh, gold down fifty cents but still eighteen seventy seven. Silver down twenty-five cents, twenty-three sixty-two, copper down a penny four oh one. We got Bitcoin up fifteen bucks, seventeen thousand two thirty four. We got the U.S. dollar, which has been getting pummeled, is now uh, kind of unchanged on the day. With the pound is one oh seven, The euro is one oh seven. The pound's one twenty one, higher than it has been. Maybe we got for Traffic Weather sports. Great game last night. Did, 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 did Weber Barbecue have a, 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 a commercial in the fourth quarter? Did you want that <laughs> money back?
6: Yeah, I feel bad for anyone that paid for second half commercials. Uh, 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Uh, We have a couple of issues already on the area expressways. We'll start on the Stevenson northbound side. There's a crash at Pulaski, which is exit 287. That accident's been moved to the right shoulder, but that's causing some delays if you're heading northbound on I-55. And then uh, to the east of that crash, uh, we have an issue on the Dan Ryan. It's a vehicle fire that's been moved to the left shoulder, On the express lanes, northbound side at 47th Street. Uh, So you're having to uh, slow down to get around that. But those are only two issues in the area. Everything else looking good out there. Weather today, another uh, well above normal uh, mild January day today. Partly cloudy skies with a high of 43. Right now it's mostly cloudy and 38 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, perfection today. Partly cloudy with a high of 72. Right now it's clear and 50. In sports, the Bulls lost to the Celtics last night, 107-99. First time they've lost to Boston uh, after winning the first two against the Celtics. Suns were off. They're at the Warriors tonight. Blackhawks were off last night. They're not back in action until Thursday night. Uh, The Coyotes were off, too. They'll host the Sharks this evening. And lastly, as uh, Chief mentioned, the Georgia Bulldogs are your back-to-back NCAA football national champions. They had no trouble with TCU. 65-7 was the final in that one. Chief?
3: We have Mr. Joel. We do. Joel, how are you? I'm going to give you one of the greatest lines, in one man's opinion, in like in like all of sports. Way way back, long before any of our time, uh, even okay. year, even yours, evidently the Bears, and maybe Maddie can find out what year this was. The Bears beat the Redskins like seventy-three to nothing in like a in like a, the NFL championship game. I don't know what year this was. You know, twenties, 30s, somewhere. Mm-hmm. Evidently, the the first play of the game. The Redskin quarterback, back when they were the Redskins, uh, threw one of the guy in the end zone. He was wide open. He dropped the ball. So, after the game, one of the few reporters at the time says to him, If you'd have hung on to that ball, do you think the score would have been different? And guess what the guy said?
0: Eighty nothing.
3: He said, No, it would have been 73 to six.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, it was the other team. Yeah. He goes, Wow. <laughs> <You laughs> <had> wow. <laughs> um, I just have to. Say that uh, <laughs> as much as I wanted to win that TCU game, uh, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't out out there taking that passion from the Georgia Bulldogs. What an impressive display. Twenty-five uh, year old quarterback will do that for you, but man, oh man, it just um, I don't know. It shows you the weakness in the college football playoff system. I mean, you think someone like Alabama is not sitting at home saying? You know, we're not going to lose 65-7. to Really, uh, a big dud there. And uh, a lot of people are very disappointed the way that turned out. I'm just uh, uh, glad it wasn't my Michigan Wolverines on the other end of that. Well,
3: it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been. Because they have personnel that can match up with those guys at least. Probably the only team that really can is Ohio State, maybe Alabama. But Michigan was pretty close. I'm going to lob one out there for all, all those who... You know, are convinced that these kids can play like another 30 games and they should be playing in April because we want to bet on them. I'm going to say that the, the teams like TCU or maybe even, well, maybe even the Irish or anybody up in the higher end of the, of the, of the also-rans, when I say the also-rans, not the teams that have these kind of depth. And, oh, by the way, I think that even the Alabamas of the world are losing depth because they've got all kinds of people in the transfer uh-huh. portal. But the, the idea of putting, I mean, you know, I never played college ball, but I've been pretty close to it for a while. There's a lot of games where the the teams you play aren't all that good. No matter what schedule you are, there's a sidewash state on there for somebody. So when you start taking a team like TCU, which maybe was a Cinderella team, but you take that halfback off the team, and one of the linemen went down early, they they had to play now what between their their they had a they had a championship game right, Manny, in their in their conference. Yep. Yeah, right yep. they they lost, by the way. So but they had to play that game. All right, and then they had to play the semifinal game against, essentially it's a pro game at that level. Then they had to play this game. And it looked to me like they had nothing left. They had nothing left. Whatever, they, that, that anybody they threw in from the bench was nowhere near Belonged on the same field as the guy with Georgia because they don't have that kind of depth. Now, if you start two years from now, if you start adding another two games at that level, I don't know what you're going to find out by the final. I mean, you're going to have teams that, you know, five of their top twelve people are hurt, and, and all of a sudden they look like, is this the team we looked at all year? I, I, I think that it's, it's real danger to do that. I really do, and yet nobody doesn't matter as long as you get more money for it. It's okay, but it doesn't. It doesn't surprise me like something like this happened. I mean, was I, mean, I would not have guessed it last night, but I mean, you, I mean, you know, the Irish have have uh, on their best year they can match up with somebody, especially early in the season. But if all of a sudden, if they played five games in a row, where all of a sudden five of their ten big guys are playing at half speed, they're going to get mashed too. They don't have, I don't think Alabama's got the depth anymore with the portal. But I, whatever it is, something's wrong here. That that team had no no business on the same field last night, Where a month ago. Maybe they did. You know, something's wrong. I don't. Or am I just crazy? Or both. Yeah, I mean, injuries,
0: injuries are always you know part of the game. I mean, uh, you know, Michigan, you know, lost Blake quorum. Uh, the final couple games of the season, so everyone deals—you know—the deals with the injury or the fatigue or whatever. But I, I just think it just goes down. I mean, you look at those Georgia players, and i will just like, you know, I, I can't even tell you the names. But I'm looking at this one, I'm like, oh, he's he's going in the NFL. Oh yeah, he's going in the NFL. Oh, he's going in the NFL. So, um, you know, uh, Kirby Smart, great coaching. It's just a disappointment. You know, it, uh you know, to have a national championship game come down to that. Um, they'll probably dilute it even more when they go to the, the twelve game playoffs uh but you know what it is? It's about the it's about the buck, right? It's about the dollar. And uh they're making more and more money off these kids and that's gonna continue to you know, to drive the uh structure of of college sports and for better or for worse. That's what we're we're faced with. But uh what, I mean congratulations to Georgia yeah. uh, you know TCU still had a heck of a season uh, but just very disappointing end for everybody and uh, not sure how Vegas did on it but that um, spread kept on moving up but uh, well, what, what a flop, chief
3: well you look at I mean there's not that much difference I always as you, as you know Joel on the show I try and tie things together there's not that much sure. difference in my mind with what happened last night I and mean, look at week 18 in the NFL. I mean, was, I mean, nobody's playing. It's this team's. This game's worth something. This other one's not worth something. This team, like the the Lions, have a particular grudge against the Packers, so they actually gave a crap. Uh, but basically, anybody, it was it was an absolute war of attrition. How many second and third and walk-on quarterbacks were playing by the last week? I mean, you just can't play that many games at that level. I mean, in that sport. I mean, you can in basketball or baseball. I mean, it's not the same. But there's there's a limit to how many, even in the pro level, when these guys are men, how many games can you play at an extreme level? And what what are we up to now? Seventeen plus what? Four more, Manny? Well,
0: eighteen. Well, yeah, seventeen, and then they have the bye week. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same thing, chief. But just uh, quickly, you know, touch on the markets here. Uh, Pretty disappointing day yesterday uh, to get back all those gains and then some. uh, you know, you got the CPI coming out on um, on Thursday, uh, looking for a breath of fresh air. But I still think the uh, predominant factor right now in the markets is going to be this earnings season. Uh, you had uh, Lululemon come out yesterday with a little bit of a warning, Macy's a little bit of a warning. Uh, so, you know, you can say what you want on the interest rate front, inflation front. I think the headwinds coming from the upcoming earnings season. Uh, is gonna have a, a pretty uh, negative effect on the market. It's just gonna be hard for these companies uh to keep up their earnings pace that they've had over the last several years.
3: Yeah it would be uh I'm sort of in the camp, Joe, where I don't uh I don't know how much further we're gonna go down, maybe not that much, maybe not even any any at all. So I'm kind of playing it a little bit to the upside, but the thought of the Fed turning around and going back to one percent and us Market going up twenty five percent.
0: No, uh, that, I, that was ridiculous. Um, I, I and I and I'm getting a lot of uh, heat, a lot of feedback, you know uh, from people. But I think you're coming into a, a rate stabilization period. I, uh, whatever, if we go up to five, five and a half, six, or whatever, to bring things in. But I think that the, the that low, you know, free money environment, uh, you know, caught up with us. And I just don't—I don't see the—you know—whatever the Fed, whatever the Fed pivot is. I—I I think you're going to see much more of a historical norm of rates, you know, between maybe three and a half and six, six and a half percent for a decade. I don't know if people want to hear that or not, but um, I just think you are back to a period of normalization.
3: I would agree with you, Joel. Take care of yourself. Talk to you next week. All right, go, Blue. SP Futures down 19. As if you're down 75. Right back, real quick, Kenny Polkiri.
6: Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain?
5: 3456, that's 708-349-3456, or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com.
6: Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks,
3: stocks
0: and jocks. You are
3: out of control. Right here, right now. Right here, Right right now. Well, welcome back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom how We're on the board playing some good music this morning from way back. Wow. Who is that, Matty?
6: Little Richard. There you
3: go. NASA Future's down 20. NASA Future's down 80. So what is the connection between Little Richard and Kenny Polkaria?
7: <laughs> Probably not much. I cannot sing. Let's not even go
3: there. I can only imagine him cutting the rug to that to that song. <laughs> well,
7: cutting the rug is one thing; singing, absolutely
3: not. Um, don't even mention that. I was the only kid who was not was asked to not participate in a fourth grade choir. It was a traumatic event. <laughs> <laughs> and,
7: and you're still going to therapy over that? I'm sure. Oh,
3: I, I, if, if, if there was a therapy in those days, I'd have been right in it. What do you mean? <sighs> I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't hit the high note even at age four. It was bad. Or age grade four. I don't know to rage you. Are. Grade four would you about ten or something.
6: About ten, yeah. Oh
3: yep. god, uh, ten or eleven anyway. But it was if. <laughs> so Kenny, what uh, we had a a huge rally on Friday. Al- allegedly, of course, you know, you can give me a better view. Of the the talking heads said that it was because the wage rates were not as high as uh, as people thought, and uh, yep. so and now we had. Uh, Salesforce up a couple of days because they're laying off people. And we got Oppenheimer saying buy Coinbase because they're laying off people. I have, for all my years, that I've been...
7: People. That stock was up yesterday, right?
3: Well, but, I mean, it's, but this this constant, I, I've never been able to trade very well or never understood this bad news and good news, or good news is bad news kind of environment. I just think it's it's a counterproductive sort of thing in the long run. I,
7: well... Well, I agree with you. I think what happens, I think what's happening now is that, you know, we're, we're heading into the recession. It's supposed to get bad. So these companies that are announcing layoffs are being proactive with their expense side of their, of their balance sheet and they're, you know, and they're cutting jobs and they're cutting overhead and all that stuff. And I think that investors are rewarding them. And don't forget, some of these stocks are getting really beaten up, like Coinbase, you know, that has gotten really beaten up. So, the view that they're, you know, becoming more sensitive to the coming economic climate and that they're, you know, they're cutting back on workforce, and they're cutting their own bed would be viewed, I guess, as a longer-term positive.
3: Well, the only problem with with, being, with cutting overhead is if you're part of the overhead.
7: Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Which is always a problem, right?
3: Well, plus, I, I mean, I understand how these companies can uh, be looking for growth, and all of a sudden they don't have any growth. They're going the wrong way, and they have too many people. I mean, I surely get it, but the the idea that you know you can you can lay off like eleven thousand people and not feel it. I mean those eleven thousand people must do something between the time they get there and the time they go home.
7: Well, you know, what's interesting about that, and somebody made this comment, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, when Elon Musk went in and you know, and just threw fifty percent of the people out. He threw fifty percent of the people out, but yet Twitter continues to function. Like there's no there's no there's no noticeable lag or or fallout from all those people laid off at Twitter, leaving somebody on Twitter to ask, "What were all those people doing?"
3: Well, I mean, you—I've never been involved in a, in a huge uh, software. I'll use the term software company, but I know if you have laid off a whole bunch of people at Pullman, the first thing yeah. would, that would go would be all your all your maintenance of machines, all your maintenance of this and that, and and. The railroad car would probably still spit out the back end, and you'd say, "What do all those people do?" But a year from now, you'll know what they all did. You know, I mean, it's right. I mean, well,
4: and
7: so, and so, maybe that's true. Maybe we don't know yet, but we're going to find out, right? Um, but, but to the to the point that we're talking about in, in this environment, i think, been going forward with all these these announcements. By the way, have, you know, they've been they've been announced. The layoffs had been announced, and now they're actually taking effect. Which, by the way, is going to show up. In this data, and like you and I discussed this, I think last week, you know, next month's NFC report should start to reflect the fact that all these people are now, you know, uh, collecting unemployment or uh, no longer employed. So the employment rate should start to pick up. Even if it's slightly, it should start to move in the opposite direction, right?
3: Well, I mean, even, even with the Twitter, again, you know way more about it than I do, and so does Maddie, but I'm going to say since he laid off the people, and I, you know, I'm a, you can tell, you're a people person too, Kenny, there's no doubt about that. I have not heard of one innovation that Twitter's done since those people were gone. There's no...
7: Agreed. I haven't either, but I think that's a work in progress. But I think what's interesting is that he threw out all those people and somebody asked, well, okay, Twitter hasn't changed. The platform hasn't changed. It's not like it's any slower. It's not like, you know, there's anything that you have noticed that's happened. So what were all those people, in fact, doing? Maybe they were all, you know, censoring... In I had no idea,
3: but I said you stayed. Yeah, I mean th- in any in any place that's what's so that's what's so weird about all this So, uh Kenny. When when you do these kinds of things, if if you're a manager and you come in and you don't know anybody, you'll do you know, all right, we're gonna cut out cut ten percent across the board. Well, first of all, if if your management, any kind of company, you're gonna have good managers and bad managers. There's gonna be a good manager that doesn't have any extra people. So if he cuts ten you got a problem. There's another guy who somehow politically does well, and he's got twenty percent extra people. No, he's so you cut ten, you're never going to know it. But the fact is, some people are good, and some people aren't. You know, it just it, it sounds good on the on the on, on the stage at you know CNBC or something, <laughs> like, but it's it's just not right. You know. Plus, I have this weird feeling that the people who are getting fired, are the people who don't don't show up to work. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. but It's a lot easier to fire somebody you never met. Just just saying, if ever had to fire anybody. Uh... I'd, I'd fire a guy at home first that I never met. Just, just saying.
7: I, I've had to fire people, and it's not, it's not fun. But.
3: No. So, what do you make of? uh I, I, I'm. Joel and I were sort of discounting any if, if we're going to get a big rally the next few years. I think it's going to be. I use the term legitimate rally because all of a sudden we, we come out of a recession, which I think we're in, and all of a sudden we start you know have some new companies and 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 the recession. You know the, the market will bounce back but sort of like 2000 it may not bounce back in the same stocks that people think should go right back up I mean I think we can bounce back without Amazon going to 200 again I mean because we did that in yeah, 2000
7: you know I, 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 th- yeah, no, I agree I think we can I mean I think things like Amazon will participate for sure just as I think they will but um I think it can bounce back without
4: necessarily having the same leadership as
3: but I think any any thought of the the Fed all of a sudden winging 30% more money in the system in the next two years and blowing the market to new highs. You better take that off your radar screen. I don't think that's going to happen.
4: Yeah, no. I, I, well, I agree. I don't think it's going to happen, at least at least not right now.
7: I think we've got a lot of work to do. Um, and I think, this, I think it's going to be very interesting to see who does take the lead. They're going to be going to be, you know, the nifty-fifties that you would remember, those big Americana industrial names, are they going to suddenly take the lead in the in the rebound, or is it going to be a whole new set of technologies? Look, you know, you, you cannot discount, discount the things like EV and some of the pieces that go into it, so commodities like lithium and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that's actually going to be, uh, take, a, take a very big role in kind of where we go, where we move going forward, right?
3: Well, I would hope, uh, Kenny, that the leadership no matter who it is and I that I, I mean I don't necessarily I mean if all of a sudden the the world uh, I, I could see you know, I don't I don't live in the burbs but if I did and I had you know the wife and family which I don't uh oh well, my girlfriend <laughs> same thing but the, we don't have any kids if we had three cars I could certainly see myself with one maybe two of them being electric I mean but let let, let me get it let me get there on my terms you know I'm gonna see this the yeah. sense of it. <clears throat> I don't. I don't. What I don't want is everybody forcing me to have an electric car. At the same time, they're, they're knocking down power plants. In five years' from now, I can't go anywhere. I
7: agree. Mean, I, I, I agree. I think, and, and so I think that's right. I think there's got to be that realization that you, that can't happen. Right. But I think there are new technologies that are that are going to that are going to appear that are going to create um, opportunity. Whether it's in batteries themselves, whether it's in battery storage, whether it's in you know solar. Um, or 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 uh, uh, renewable energy. I do think that that's going to be an area uh, in the economy that's going to provide some
4: leadership.
3: But it seems to me, Kenny, I would rather have an even playing field where guys like, well, maybe we're not ready to start up a new firm right now, but uh, you and I, but, but there was a time when we would have. Let us just have the tools to do it. Let us have decent bank rates. Let us have decent borrowing capability let 's not right. let 's let 's have us when we form a corporation let 's not have dodd frank say we 've got to pony up our house to get a ten thousand dollar loan for the corporation because that 's that was the whole purpose of a corporation you don 't have to do that jeff Bezos doesn 't have to do that let 's even the playing field and let American people be American people. Every new industry does not have to be some some government guy decides this is where we 're going to go we 're going to give these people all these. Advantages and yet you know, other people not. It's not up to you know. It's 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 like the Russian system only different, right? Where the government's going to decide what they want produced and give people incentives to do it. It's almost the same thing as the Russian system. Only there's incentives involved. We're giving people money, right? I mean, it's not their right. job to put to figure out if, if if people if electric cars are a good idea, people will make electric cars.
7: Right. Agreed. Agreed. And I and I think and I do think though that. Ultimately, it will be a good idea, but there still needs to be a lot of technology that has to happen before, I think, they go completely mainstream, right? I
3: would say we need 50 nuclear plants before they go mainstream. Yeah. mainstream. I mean,
7: right. <laughs> to produce the energy. Right. To produce the energy that's going to be able to power all these cars. Agreed. Well, Look what's it, happening in places like California, right? They, they tell you sometimes in the middle of day, don't charge your car because all all electricity.
3: Well, you know, is, is theres is there a... I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of brilliant people up in, really, it's a big state in California... Do they have collective brain brain deadness up top or something? I mean, you, you need to somebody, somebody, somewhere in in the bowels of government could tell you, okay, if we go to X number of electric cars in ten years, what it's going to do to the electric grid. And oh, by the way, what's what's the lead time for a nuclear plant or or more windmills or whatever you're doing? And if the lead time on that is twenty years, you're going too fast, Kenny. This is the, this this is a third grader would know this, right? You would think. I mean, I think we have some smart third graders, would, right?
7: Yeah, 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 you would.
3: But, I mean, you, know, you wonder, uh, so well, if you were if a place in which I'm, you know, I've got a lot of money I'm managing for people right now, I'm, I'm uh, kind of setting myself up for a a flattish but slightly positive uh, year, Kenny, which we're going to be, maybe with, uh, you want to be a, a call seller, maybe you want to be something else, but you want to nip a little income, you probably want to stick with the companies to pay a little dividend. But I think you... If you stick in those areas, you might actually have an okay year—not a thirty percent year—but if you, you know, add some of the maybe the premium you are taking in with maybe the dividends plus a, a little bit of appreciation, you can have a nice year here. I, that, that's what I am yeah. sort of planning for. Are you, are you seeing either a huge uh, shoot down again, another twenty percent or a you know, thirty percent? I don't think
4: we're going twenty percent. That's
7: the way Morgan and Goldman call for twenty percent down. I don't see twenty percent down, but I would not be surprised if we saw um, if far as test the you know, October lows of like 3,500, 3,490, 3,500. That would not surprise me. Um, but Morgan Stanley came out yesterday again, Mikey Wilson, with his you know weekly prognostication saying that we're underestimating, uh, corporate profits are still too high, he said. Uh, we're underestimating the recession, which people think is going to be mild, even thinks they is the of the earth. And thus he's reiterating his, his uh, S&P 3000 call. Goldman doing the same they think profit margins are going to get absolutely crushed this quarter. And so now earnings season is going to start on Thursday and we're going to get a few. So we're going to see if those two are, in fact, right. I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think we are going to have a recession. I think it's not going to be mild, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, the 1979-style two-year type of recession. But I do think it's going to be harder than what, they, what, what they're letting on. And not partly because... The Fed continues to tell everybody, we don't care what you think is going to happen, we're telling you we'll continue to raise rates. They said it again yesterday, Mary Daly. She said there's an argument for both 25 or 50 basis point increase in in February and that the rate could be higher than 5% before they stop. And so that's going to take us till May. That's not going to take us till March. They're going to keep rates until May, and I think the market's not prepared for that. And so I think that's going to cause, you know, some more chaos. But listen, as you know, Chaos creates opportunity. If you got your money, and you putting it away. And the money's just sitting on side, like waiting to take advantage of the chaos. That's
0: what investors need to do.
7: Well,
3: that's what like you and I. Yeah, I mean, uh, so yeah that's I'm That's what you need to do. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, the only thing I, I worry about is the inability of, of small businesses to get capital and to move forward from banks and stuff is is way worse than it was 20 years ago.
7: Well, that, and that might and that might that might be part of the problem why we're going into deeper recession because that may impact. Continue to be true,
3: right? Yeah, and I think you know the the, 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 the skill set of a lot of the people that need to be hired. Uh, although there are more and more schools ramping up for that, uh, so we're moving in the right direction, I, I think, on the lower levels. I just don't. It's it's a one or two year game to get there, and it you know. And I think we need some more help from uh, our leadership, which is to me pretty clueless. So I mean, you know, but I, but by and large, I'm still relatively bullish. I'm not telling people to get out of the market or anything. I, mean, I just think we need to protect ourselves and. Like I said, for maybe to ten or twenty percent further down, but I, I, you know, what? I'm, I'm a little concerned. We went a little over here, but I, 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 think this this whole crypto thing, Kenny. We keep pulling a stool out or a leg out from under the stool every day. Is this thing going to collapse or is it going to hang in there? Uh,
7: uh, listen, I think, I, I think that crypto is not going to do anything at the moment. Which doesn't mean to say. I don't think there's not a future in it. I do think there is. It's just not going to be, it's not going to certainly be the ridiculousness that they were all talking about a year ago, right? I think the Fed's going to create a digital currency partly because I think it's about control. They want to know exactly where you are. They want to know exactly how much money you have, where you're spending it, where it's sitting, what you do with it. I think that's the reason that crypto is going to continue in the digital currency world is going to continue to uh, expand because central banks around the world want more control.
3: Well, we should. We need to push back on that, Kenny. Anyway, take Go care ahead, of yourself. Thousand. By the way, I, ne- I never, I never got the recipe for the short ribs. Oh God, I'll send it to
7: you. I'm sorry, and I just right. made those two. A weekend again. I'll
3: send it to you. Oh sure. Every time you, every time you make them, you say, "Boy, well, time would be having these things if he, if I only sent him the <laughs> recipe."
7: I'm sending it to you right now. when I hang up the
3: phone. All right, take care, buddy. SPV is down 19. has to down 71. Be right back, Professor Hellsnar.
2: Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and stocks
3: and jocks! You are out of control! Right here, right now! Right here, right now!
2: Right
1: now.
4: There's something happening here so I'm
3: back up stacks and jacks. I'm Tom Weber on the board. S&P futures down 8- 1850. We've come back a little bit here. Nasdaq futures only down 70. They were down 75 a few minutes ago. So we're coming back, or at least stopping going down, uh, at least for the moment. Do we have the professor? Hey, I'm here. How are you, buddy? What's what's a good word? Uh, winter has been uh, somewhat mild the last couple weeks. Matty and I were talking about if we can get another two, three weeks out of this all the way through January. We'll Take a stab out of the back of winter, or at least a little bit, not that they can't come back at us in February, but you feel better when it's colder in February, like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. January's tough.
7: <laughs> yeah, uh well, right now, I mean, I think on Sunday it was like sixty degrees. Almost almost sixty. It felt like spring. What's near going on in New York?
3: What's going on in New York? One old- thing about
7: New York one thing about New York though is I can't get used to the fact that ball games are on until midnight. It that's crazy. Yeah. Well, Out are, west, the Rose Bowl's on at like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Here, it doesn't get over until midnight.
3: Well, yeah, it's... Uh, I, I actually, you know, being in the in the Midwest, we always... Uh, well, I was always, even before I did the show, I was always at work just trading at 7 o'clock. I wanted to be here went through all my positions, and by the time you, you know, we started at 8.30, you had your trade checkers were down there at, at 7.30, and you had your guys went through all your trades, and so it was always an early day, and whenever I... We out to New York when I was on the the board and chairman of the committees and stuff, and those guys had a whole different view because the New York Stock Exchange didn't open till nine thirty, right? So I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd be out somewhere and you'd have dinner, and it's ten thirty, and I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't older, I was something like, okay, it's it's time to go. And these guys are like, hey, aren't you going to like the strip club? And I'm going, I have no intention of. A, I don't want to go, and B, it's kind of late. And ah, oh, man, we roll in at one, we get up at whatever. Seven thirty, we're at work and we're good to go. And I'm going. No, it's not. It's not my schedule, but uh, it is a totally different schedule, right? I
7: mean, uh, Johnny. Yeah. Oh Jenny- man, it's it's crazy. The Monday night football game. I I mean, I'm my wife and I are we're we're in bed like eight or nine o'clock at night. So, you know, if news happens after eight, all games happen after eight or nine. We're oblivious to it. That's why last week when you when you talked about the uh, injury that uh, that kid from uh, the safety from buffalo had i had no idea about it when you mentioned it the next morning because we were we were asleep like at eight thirty nine o'clock at night
3: god you guys are how old
7: oh <laughs> uh, well we got kids and the kids yeah. get up early oh yeah yeah I have, uh, the, I have to get the catch the subway in the morning so we're i don't i don't mind going to sleep at eight thirty nine o'clock at, at night
3: <laughs> oh there you go what what uh i was gonna, gonna ask you what um this this thing what is going on in uh in terms of uh, water levels in Utah, is is a salt lake going to fill back up? I and mean, this guy's got nothing but snow and water out there now, huh?
7: Oh yeah, I mean you look at California; they got they got flash flooding. But it's just it's a cyclical thing. Uh, if you look at the uh, if you go explore the canyons in southern Utah, you'll you'll see how uh, I mean you'll see the evidence of the monsoons, the rains, how it transforms the geology the same thing that happens in, in Nevada in southern Nevada. Yeah. You'll you'll see these creek beds and every once in a while these creek beds come to life, right? Uh, Death Valley every I think every winter or every spring has this big bloom. But it's just part of the west and I think California the the root words of California are hot furnace. Cali is hot, furnace, or fornia is furnace, right? I think that's the the root of those of that word. And when the, when the uh, summers got out west, uh, they saw red skies because California was on fire. Yeah. California's always been on fire, right? It's just been on fire. And Native Americans managed to force by having controlled burns. So, it, the, you know, comparing the west's climate and uh, weather to the east is just, it's an apples and oranges kind of thing. So uh it's just normal we have these huge rains we have these huge snows and then we'll go a while without lots of snow and, and rain so it's just part of the natural cycle
3: well the first time i uh, we were down I, I think we were down for spring training for a week and my buddies said well you know what <laughs> why don't we there's no real games tomorrow why don't we shoot up to vegas for a day or two so which is about a f- yeah, i'm gonna say four to six hours it's it's a ways. uh but uh, it's you know you're, it's beautiful country. You go through a couple of national forests and so forth. But oh yeah, It seems oh, yeah. like every, mi- yeah. every mile or two, you know, it's, it's Matt W's dry wash. Then another mile, it's Weber's dry wash, <clears throat> and all these things look like all dried up creeks, ditches. They're not big enough to be rivers, and when it rains, all of a sudden they're all full. That's <laughs> like, you know, the word. Yeah, the you know, water are just you? water just runs. And uh, but I
7: yeah, my the, brother Rod, my brother Rod was umpiring a big. Uh, high-level, you know, like Division One recruit AU softball tournament in Arizona, and he was driving home, and he hit one of those rainstorms uh, last summer, I think, it. and he had to he had pull up the side of the road, because it was just, it was a river on the road, Yeah, seriously, it was a river on the road, and he couldn't stay ahead of it.
3: Well, the, I'll probably mention this story, the first time I went to Vegas, my buddy goes, hey, we got this trip to Vegas, you know, this is right when we got out of grad school, and I go, oh, you yeah, know, I don't, he said, come on, we got, it was it was like, it was right when they deregulated the airline so you could have charters, I think the deal, hell, was like 180 bucks for the the plane, know, all you could drink on the way out and back, and, you know, we we're, <laughs> we're, we're, were in a crummy hotel, right, but it was...
7: But isn't that how JetBlue got a start, by being a charter?
3: Right, but this, host, I think? Well, yeah. before, when they deregulated, this is probably before your time, they didn't just say, okay, we're going to deregulate on such and such a date, they deregulated by having charters. And and uh, So these are these were mostly United Airlines charter, or Ameri- mostly United. But you get on an old plane, it was always a DC-8. We, I actually was on a 707 once, believe it or not. Mostly it was a DC-8. But the weird part is, compared to today's world, is you, you brought your luggage to the airport, and you checked your luggage in, and then you didn't see it again. They brought it to your room, hmm. right? So that night, so you went out... Gambled, and you got what else you did all day long. You pile into the room at one in the morning, and there's your luggage, you know, behind the locked door. And on Sunday morning, they'd come and get it. And and the next time you'd see it was on the carousel in uh, O'Hare. You know, but you'd go out there, and we stayed at a place called the uh, Flamingo Capri, which was this motel. I mean, I mean, motel. Uh, Maddie, you know the the difference between a motel? We
6: we (laughs) used to live in one when when our Um, trailer broke down. We lived in a motel for a while.
3: Maddie, you know the actual difference between a motel and a hotel?
6: Um, is it is it something about uh, entrance from the outside versus entrance from inside? Yes, or exactly. Like that? That's what R- I thought. Very good. If, yeah. you,
3: if you enter into a hallway, it's a hotel. If you enter outside, it's a motel. So anyway, th- this was it was it was where the uh, Imperial Palace was built. It was knocked, this place was knocked down and was built, and it was a big spot next to the Flamingo. Hence the Flamingo Capri. Well, the bottom level is a two story motel. We were on the top, thank God. But the bottom part, the parking lot had these yellow lines saying dry wash area, do not park here, or your car's... Li- and downstairs, <laughs> downstairs there were like three rooms missing in the middle of the place, which was the dry wash. So if it rained, if you were like in a, a room next to it, the water would be racing right next to you. It was like a big divot, maybe two or three feet deep in the middle, but you could drive, you know, it was like a dent, you know, in the parking lot. And that was a dry wash. So somewhere under the... Yeah, imper- we, we, have, we
7: have one at our condo. It's called Green Space, and man, when it rains, that thing fills up.
3: Well, if you go to Scottsdale, there's this. There's a spot out on uh, whatever the name of the road is. It's out on between road between the uh, reservation and, and the city. There's this massive. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's this huge open area of grass. We I played handball there. There's, there's basketball courts. There's bike paths. It's gorgeous. That whole thing is a dry wash. Yeah. So when it, when it rains, they say don't don't go play handball. Don't take your bike down there. The whole thing is a dry wash but that happens once a year
7: yeah and and you know when you're from the east coast and you're not aware of that it seems kind of unusual but when you're from the west coast it's just kind of part of the whole thing you know it's just i mean the forest out west they have to burn down to reju- rejuvenate when they yeah. and the, when the forests fill up with all this old dead wood the western forest needs to burn down and it burns down and rejuvenates the soil and the force that comes out of it is much stronger and able to survive. So it's just part of being in the West. And that's why California is called California. I mean, the weather is different than the East Coast.
3: Well, the first thing you hear that's kind of wrong-o is when you go out to Scottsdale, you think, okay, Arizona is mostly a desert. But if you're from yeah. Chicago and all you do is watch movies, when you hear the word desert, you're thinking of like the Sahara Desert and guys you know, wandering <laughs> along and, and, and camels and stuff. It's actually very hard... It's like ground ground stone, you know. So it's it's not sand. It's not it's not porous. So the minute it yeah. rains, it runs like it's paved. Yet the ground, yeah. you look like there's nothing there. There's nothing flying in the air. There's no mosquitoes or not a whole lot of flies or anything. Look at the ground. The ground is alive. <laughs> what stuff crawling around? I mean, it's it's weird. Anyway, enough of the of that. What uh, I was just mentioning to Kenny about my predictions for the year. Which you know, I don't want to have been right ever, but it seems like in terms of the market, I think you can eke out a profit uh, to the upside. Maybe if you do a little call selling, or maybe if uh, you have a stock that has a little dividend. Um, but I don't know that I don't know that the Fed's going to give you the twenty percent bump. I think some stocks have a way to go, uh, hell. But I don't. I'm not. I'm really not into some huge crash here. Some of the stocks that have sort of crashed, already have crashed, I mean, right, that I, you know, that are down from, they're down 50, 60, 70 percent. The amount of layoffs starting to bother me. I don't, these companies that are laying, you know, if you start laying off 10,000 people, there's something wrong with your company, I would think. But, uh, I don't know, what do you think? I well, mean, my,
7: out, my outlook is, you know, I, I'm just not a fan of central planning, whether it comes from Democrats or Republicans. And I think today's central planning is tenfold worse than it was. And if you look at the ten-year minus the three-month, I mean, it, it it indicates to me that it, it's gonna it's not gonna be a fun year. You got you got the yield, the difference in those two yields, getting close to negative one point five percentage points. And it's that series on the Federal Reserve's website, data website spread, hasn't been that negative ever in the history of that series.
3: Well, okay well, explain that again what, what series are you, are you talking about what which page
7: the 10-year the treasury yield minus the three-month treasury yield it's the basically it's the proxy for the slope of the yield curve and it's never the yield curve according to this series has never been negative I mean it is close to negative 1.5 well
3: sure it has but during, during, I mean, the, during the 70s and 80s it was like five percent
7: well I mean if you go if you go back on this particular series in the Fred's uh, database it go it predates I believe, the 80s. The I think it goes back to like mid-70s. The 10-year minus the 2-year was more negative in the uh, late 70s and early 80s than it is now. But the 10-year minus the 3-month, according to this red series here that dates back to the mid-70s, I believe, it's neg- almost negative 1.5.
3: Well, I don't was. I'm not uh, just being argumentative because it's radio, but I, I seem yeah. to recall the the thirty year was at twelve percent, and the short term was like at sixteen at one point.
7: Well, yeah, th- th- this is the difference between the ten year and the three month.
3: Well, the ten year was closer to one thirty. That, yeah. I think it's
7: the one that uh, the, f- the Federal Reserve kind of monitors more okay. than any other. Okay. I, I think the one that it pays most attention to is where the f- the Fed rate is currently, and where people expect it to be in like ninety days.
3: One percent. I think that's
7: the one Powell used. Well, on, a per-
3: on a percentage rate, you got me. On an actual number rate, yeah. I think I got you, because I yeah. think it was like the 10-year the, the maybe never got above 12 or 13, and the, the short okay. term was, was clearly over that. It was 15 or 16.
7: But, but the, I mean, what, I mean, what is going on here? Why is that so inverted? Why is, I mean, is it because um, the supply of bonds is falling? That would push prices up and yields down on the 10-year. I don't think that's the case. I'll give you the same answer. I think what's going on is the demand. The demand for 10 years is rising. And why would demand for 10 years be rising? Maybe because the recession that we're not in, that we're going to be in, or we're in, but it's going to get worse. Maybe investors really fear it's going to get bad. And if that's the case, it's going to be deflationary, which would mean that the 10-year yield... You know, the real yield is going to be a pretty good choice. Uh, okay. so that's what I'm kind of thinking.
3: I'm going to lob an answer at you, and you can you can give me a D if you want. Uh, we we have not, for whatever reason, and this is the thing that puzzles me the most. Uh, we have not paid attention to the inflation rate at all in these bond things, and people have invested, I mean, you're supposed to invest um, if you're rational. You would expect whether you give money to somebody a year, five years, ten years, whatever it is. You're going to want some rate of interest for your money, the, the the real rate of interest, which you can define better than me as a professor. And you're going to want, if you if you perceive some inflation, you're going to want that as well. So if the inflation is two percent, and the real rate of interest is two and a half, you're going to want four and a half. <clears throat> you're going to want yeah the two and a half yep. that, that, that that is the charge to use your money because somebody is using your money, right? There ought to be something paid back for that. Right? Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, if every if everybody knows the dollar is going to be worth less by 2% a year from now, you got to make up that difference, too. This is, this is you know, I mean, it's got to be, and, and if you had a third grade economics class, that would probably be the first thing you'd put on a on blackboard, right? Or showing my age. Oh, yeah. That, so, the yield
7: curve, uh, yeah. the Fisher equation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those two things. Yep.
3: So, see, so I'm going to say the same thing happened in 78, uh, Hal, well, and that's why I'll answer it this way is, is the, the inflation rate was like 12%. So the near-term rates were like fifteen, yet the ten-year yeah. rates were like twelve because people fe- figured that even our Fed would figure it out by then, and we weren't going to have a twelve percent inflation rate per year for ten years. It was going to start dropping. So somewhere in there, the ten-year rate was lower. And I'm going to say right now.
7: Yeah, I think I think that's a good explanation.
3: Yeah. I'm going to say right now yeah. the
7: explanation that you know, you know, the the high inflation is a hard, people are having a hard time buying their wants because they can only afford some of their needs, and so that the want production goes way down. Need production kind of slips a little bit. We go into recession, and recession means prices are being are, are kind of pulled down because buying is a lot lower, demand's a lot lower. So that right there is deflationary, and so maybe that's why the 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 future yield. Was lower than the current yield because it was that bad. And well, investors are smart people; they're playing with their own money. They're not like politicians; they're playing with somebody else's money. Well, you are playing with your own money. You got to be smarter and wiser. I think the, maybe that can explain why the ten-year was lower than the short-term. Well, I think the,
3: the, to me, it's that's sort of not the question. Uh, I am going to agree that the ten-year rate is uh, should be lower than the. Than the because the, the Fed is, quote, fighting inflation. So I'm going to say, I'll lob out there, that the 10-year average inflation is going to be less than it was the last year. I'll, I'll make that statement. However, the thing that I, w- I would love you to be able to answer, because I can't, I cannot think of it at all other than the Fed being nefarious, the idea of both numbers being so low is startling to me. I mean, we've had in the last three years an inflation rate of frigging 10% a year, minimum, minimum. Yeah, and yet, yet the rates are finally getting to four and a half. They're still five and a half percent under And the ten-year rate. I agree. I'm going to say I agree that it should be a little less than it is now. But the number of three and a half, or even four percent, there's no way these bumps are going to have a two percent inflation for the next ten years. And why? Why exactly should I give my my money to anybody for nothing? And yet, yeah, I mean the, the biggest, the biggest. You know, you know what I. I Maybe because other people don't remember. The biggest question in my mind in this whole mess, Carl, the, the, the Fed's antics this time versus the antics in the '70s—they're pretty much the same thing, in terms of putting money in the system to pay for the Vietnam War and for all the reasons they had back then. There wasn't a COVID, but there were other reasons. Uh, they put money in there to, to you know, stop the oil embargo's effects and crap, which of course didn't work. My question is why. Back then, my mom would walk down the street to the savings and loan and get 14%. Inflation was 12 She was still getting her two for the for the, uh, the equation for the saver was exactly like you put on the blackboard. Now, the banks didn't like it so much because they got mortgages out there at 6%, and it cost them. But right now, it seems like the banks in those days took the hit. Now, people are taking the hit. If you know anybody, if you know anybody who's had their money in the bank for the last three years, the million dollars they're supposed to retire on, they put it in the bank, they have essentially lost somewhere in the neighborhood of a quarter million dollars in value, maybe 300000 in three years. That's, that's, that's horrible. That that didn't happen in the 80s. Now, how is it hell that they, these guys were able to pull this off this time, that the banks made out like a bandit on his tail and, and the citizenry didn't? What did they do different? They just kept buying crap and put it on the, on the so you couldn't that the rates went up you got obliterated because the bonds got run right up your behind something it has to be in the balance sheet they didn't do that in those days they didn't say we're putting money in the system but oh by the way we're going to put so much in there that the rates can't go up how, how do they manage to pull this off and whose idea was it to, to take to take the well, hide I think, out i, of your,
7: I think to ahead. answer that question I always say you don't look at the person's words you look at the person's actions, and words rarely in politics match the actions. And the Federal Reserve, despite what mainstream thinkers say, it is a cartel of banks, and they want inflation. The owners of the banks and the the, the, the property owners want inflation. So the Fed's job is to create that inflation. And over the long run, the Fed has turned... The dollar into a penny, right? And that, and I, I think I think one of the the early consequences of the Federal Reserve system was it, it banks didn't like competing with the mattress, right? People have put their money under the mattress or in a coffee jar instead of putting it in the bank. So the Fed's job is to, to make that choice idiotic, because if you keep your money in your piggy bank, you're going to lose, like you said. Now savings is the savings accounts today are the piggy banks of 100 years ago. And so what the Fed does is it creates wealth. By inflating, it creates a wealth gap. And that wealth gap gets bigger and bigger and bigger the more inflation it creates. And the, the people who suffer in that system are everyday Americans who aren't hedge fund investors who can't leverage. So the key now to be creating wealth is to use Leverage. You buy an asset using leverage, using debt. If you get if the asset goes up ten percent, you can get a two three hundred percent return. Oh yeah, right. So if the, if the Fed's goal is overall inflation uh, through time, and occasionally it has to pull back on that, the the wealthy class, the investor class, they make out bandits because they can borrow and leverage and get those huge returns. And they you gotta, they gotta be careful because every once in a while the Fed will pull back, which is why it's necessary for these investment banks on Wall Street to have a revolving door with the Fed and Treasury, right? You do your public service at the Fed and Treasury, and then you go and make your money at, on Wall Street. And that's why these banks had, to, these big investment banks and big American banks had to be saved in a financial crisis, right? So they can continue that revolving door. Or you might so might... the, the person that gets hurt is the everyday American who can maybe only afford put their money in savings
3: All right, can, you so mi- today's
7: savings accounts are 100 years ago's piggy banks
3: alright do you mind if I uh, <clears throat> step back a hair here and uh, explain what you just uh, meant to every man uh, in terms of leverage because was on, on level 3 here if say Matty Weber and I have uh, we got a bunch of money and we open up a hot dog stand and we and we we pay a million bucks for a hot dog stand. it would be a nice hot dog stand, I hope. And we make hundred grand a year. All right, we're making 10%. So then we do the same thing. We put up another million bucks, we get another hot dog stand. We make another million bucks. So now we're going to do a third one. And one of us is going to be smart enough to say, <coughs> wait a minute. <coughs> On a very low end, we're making a 10% return. But if we can, in a new hot dog stand, if we put up a half a million and borrow a half a million at, say, 8%, now that we're getting our million, we're making a ten percent return, but we're also getting the two percent edge on the other half a mil, right? So we're actually for our five hundred thousand that we put in the second place, we're going to be making like what sixty or seventy not So we're making twelve percent. That's
7: exactly uh, that's how it works. Yeah, but, and but that's that, how but that, the game is rigged.
3: But that's how for our,
7: people who have
3: wealth. But that's how you and I might do it. What you're talking about is somebody who says, "Screw it." I got no dough and I'm going to get some government agency to give me like all the money leveraged. <laughs> and it's, it's a real deal. I mean, so, um,
7: Isn't that what banks do Yeah. They, I mean, they can lend a billion dollars at, I don't know, 5% yeah. or 6% and they can borrow from the Fed The Fed can just print it into existence and they can borrow from the Fed for 4%.
3: And it's a hell of a lot so easier it's, than it's giving
7: complete arbitrage.
3: Well, it's a hell of a lot easier than giving 100 loans to 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 Matt Weber and his hundred and his hundred cousins for hot dog stands. You don't need the people unless, to people you
7: know. unless you're uh Jim Carrey's character in yes Man and you just say yes to all the loans.
3: Well, you know what? I'm not so sure that that isn't such a bad idea. <laughs> well in times of when the market's doing or the economy's doing well, it's not a bad idea. When it's not doing well, you probably want to say no to all the loans. SPB is down twenty and is down eighty two, be right back.
5: Stocks, jocks,
3: and jocks, Stocks, and Jocks. You are out of
5: control.
0: Right
3: here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, my face, Stocks, and jocks. I'm Tom about we on the board. SP Futures down 21, was down 84. We're quite a bit down from the highs we had yesterday morning doing the show. Dow Futures down 151. A lot of this is due to Boeing. On almost six bucks, two o two seventy. I guess they're in danger of sneaking under two hundred if it keeps going. But so far, two o two seventy. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down sixty three point four percent. These guys are actually up a little bit from the last. little oh, DAX is. FTSE's down twenty four now point three percent. Was was almost marginally down earlier. Kakaron around on sixty one point nine percent. So moderately down in Europe. In Nikkei up two o one point eight percent. The Hang Seng down fifty seven point three percent. Shanghai down six. Point two percent, so kind of a mixed bag over there. Yesterday we finished unchanged. Well, we finished mixed. Dow down one eleven, SP and P down three. Here's that up sixty six after being a uh, positive across the board during the show. Uh, Bonds up eight basis points, three point five nine to bond up seven basis points, two point two eight. This is interesting. Japan is now over the point five zero upper end, point five zero six that they allow this thing to run. Question is, are going to are they going to try and support it there, or are they going to uh, let it run even further. Time will tell on that one. Uh, oil up 33 cents, but 74.96. Still low. Brent up 27 cents, 79.92. Natural gas down 16 cents, 374. That's the lowest it's been in like a real long time. Arbob up 3 cents, 232. As the, as the gas prices here went up, many well, somewhere along the line, and we got to check, how much was the new gas tax in Illinois that we didn't pay for six months, and now it's in? Anyway, gold up 90 cents, 18.78. Silver down 20 cents, 23.67. Everybody thinks that silver should be much higher relative to gold, but it doesn't seem to be happening. It says it's
6: 42.3 cents per gallon.
3: But it just went up, uh, how much in January? Was it 5 cents or something?
6: Yeah, it says the state will be increasing the tax on January 1st by a little over 3 cents per gallon. Yeah. This yeah. will make Illinois the second highest gas tax behind California.
3: You've got got to be highest on something. We gotta, we gotta, gotta that,
6: be That that 3 cent raise in, is included, and in, it's 42.3 cents now. Okay,
3: that's a lot. Bitcoin, and the federal is 12.5 or something, and the county, ugh. Bitcoin up uh, six bucks now to 17,225. We have the US dollar is uh, kind of unchanged today after being down a few days in a row. We've got the uh, the Euro dollar at 107 and the pound at 121. Maddie, what do you got for us? Traffic Weather Sports.
6: 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, we're starting to see traffic volumes pick up uh, significantly here in our two of the show, 7.30 a.m. local time, and we have a couple more crashes to report. We'll start on the Eisenhower inbound side. We have a crash on the right shoulder at Sacramento, which is exit 27A as you're approaching downtown on I-290, and that's causing big-time delays on the inbound Ike, so keep that in mind. Earlier crash on the Stevenson at Pulaski is all clear. That earlier fire on the Dan Ryan local lanes at 47th Street is clear too, but both of those expressways are experiencing high traffic uh, volumes uh, as a result of those uh, earlier uh, incidents. Only other crash on the area expressways is on the Kennedy inbound at Canfield Road. There's a crash that's been moved to the right shoulder that's causing a slowdown as you're heading in. Uh, We're approaching an hour from O'Hare into downtown. Weather today, uh, clouds early, then some sunshine later on. A pretty nice day for January 10th. Uh, partly cloudy skies with a high of 43. Right now it's overcast and 38 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 72 today. Right now it's clear and 51. In sports, Bulls lost to the Celtics last night, 107-99. to 99. Suns were off. They're at the Warriors tonight. Blackhawks uh, are off. They're not back in action until Thursday night. <laughs> Cowdies didn't play last night either. They'll host the Sharks this evening, and lastly, in the national championship game, it was Georgia becoming back-to-back uh, champions by blowing out TCU sixty-five to seven.
3: many how many people uh, off this Georgia team? You think will be gone next year? Like twenty?
6: Uh, I would have no idea, but um, but yeah, I assume that there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to be in the draft. There's some guys that that graduate and maybe don't get drafted but are probably still good enough to at least be free agents you would think and then there's going to be some guys that transfer
3: yeah i mean a quarterback and uh they have they have a real i'm going to say the seven eight guys in the first three rounds at least
6: yeah i would say so and it's uh, their uh, defensive tackle uh i believe his name's jalen carter he's projected to be the best player in the draft that's a non-quarterback so he could go anywhere between you know one and five um and uh, he's he's a really special player, but they're just loaded all across the board.
3: So, your uh, your buddy, talk about a, an apologizer, Jeff Joniak. Sorry, hell, for a second. Uh, I actually was riding in the car yesterday. I heard him say the Bears have the number one pick in the 25th, 25 million in salary cap, which seems a little light. Uh, they're in the driver's seat. How could that team be in the driver's seat of a, of a putt putt car?
6: Well, they're in their driver's seat for rebuilding. No one has a better um, situation for a rebuild than they do. They already have a guy they think is a, going to be a, f- a franchise quarterback. They have the number one pick, which has a lot of value, whether you use it or trade it. And then they have a lot of cap space. Now, <laughs> what they do with those uh, assets it remains to be seen. And, you know, this organization over the last, I don't know, 50 years has proven to not always make great decisions. So we'll see.
3: Well, your, your buddies. Now, th- last week I didn't listen, but the week before, Hilgi and those guys—I probably told you this. One guy goes, "God, we need a, a tackle to protect this kid." The other guy goes, "Well, we really need a receiver, so you have somebody to throw to." And somebody goes, "You know what? been—we haven't had a sack all year. We had like five. We need an edge rusher." The <laughs> other you know, guy goes, "They're running on us all year. We need a guy in the middle like Hicks." So the guy goes, "Face it, we need—we need everybody. There, there's four standout people you need right there." <laughs>
6: Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty loaded in the secondary as far as young talent. They they really drafted well, it would seem last year with their corners and, and, and uh, safeties. That might be their only strength outside of quarterback if Fields is, you know, as good as we think he might be. Other than that, they need everything. They need receivers, they need um, offensive line, defensive line, line you know, pass rushers, linebackers, they they need everything. That's well, why they have the worst record in the NFL.
3: Well, I was I was talking to a guy last night. I went up to went up to Tripoli to watch the first half, but I didn't I didn't even make it the first half. I had my bullet on and left. Uh, they need they need to get this number one pick. I said they need to give it to Cincinnati, and they got to come away with the the all pro guard and their number one pick. I mean, they really need to, to trade this. They're going to get
6: a lot more than that.
3: For well, I'm talking about they're if they're
6: going to get. They're going to swap, so you know, like Indianapolis for example is I think seventh right now. Um, Ka- Carolina is like ninth. There's a, or Indianapolis might be fifth. There's like three teams that desperately want to trade up to get a get one of these two quarterbacks, the Ohio State kid or the Alabama kid, and we're going to swap their first round. So we'll go from one to like five, for example, and then we're going to get a ton more than that. We're going to get um, probably two more first round picks and and probably you know. Uh, uh, some, you know, second, third, or fourth round picks this year. Uh, so they're, they're going to get a lot for that pick.
3: I think, I think they need players. They need a, a solid starter. Well, that's where
6: the free agent money you'd like to think comes in. Because, yeah, they do. I mean, they need they don't want just young guys. They need some, some veterans, too.
3: But, I mean, I, I'm not interested in another pick next year. They might be, but I'm not.
6: Well, th- that's probably going to be a, bi- a big part of it, is you're going to swap the first... R- so you're still going to get a great first-round pick this year. Like I said, probably fifth or seventh or ninth or something like that. You may get another second and third-round pick as well, and then you may get next year's first-round pick. Yeah, I mean, you're, they're going to get a lot. Um, and th- But as far as guys trading actual players for picks, it could happen. I mean, they could get some players, but I- I'm guessing the veterans they're going to get are well, going look, to sign. Well, look
3: at the Blackhawks. The... Sorry, Hal, uh, <laughs> but this is Chicago sports. It's it's part of a uh, part of our world. The Blackhawks hey, have. I'm like, just enjoying it. The, the the Blackhawks have like two number ones this year, two number twos, and it, I think and something next year. I'm not 100 percent accurate on that, maybe. But they gave up all their young players to get them. I mean, every time I listen to another team, the best player on the other team, not the best, but is a guy from the Hawks. I mean, they, they gave up Kirby Duck, who was a uh, who was pr- arguably their best player last year for a draft pick, and he was like. Three years in the league. why do you? I mean you give up Roquan Smith for a draft pick, basically, what, what, what's the point of that? He's 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 a successful draft pick. He's
6: well, that's. I mean, that's the whole thing. You you're when they're in a contract year, you have to make the decision: right. are they are they an asset you want to invest in, or are they you trade them and, and get another draft pick and then push push it down the line another three or four years.
3: Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, he's their best draft pick in how many years? Except for maybe maybe the quarterback.
6: Well, they haven't had a lot of first round picks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> He's well, one of the only ones they've yeah. had.
3: Well, that's true. Anyway, enough of the Bears but and, and the Hawks are our, our sorry group. The Bulls are playing better at, all, at least.
6: They're uh, not very good either.
7: Hey my, my question is the Bears first doubles.
3: Oh god. <laughs> well that's uh, <laughs> the only well Virginia Virginia turned hundred this week, didn't she? I think so. Wow. Uh, now are now they're talking about some massive new soldier field experience. You re- read about this? Well, they're gonna have a, a, a huge last ditch
6: effort to keep them in Chicago. Well, they're gonna have
3: a whole thing over there—food, entertainment, an all-year-round project. <coughs> they're gonna have uh, some sort of transportation over there, which they've been talking about for fifty years and never will happen. It's crazy stuff, Al. I mean, you, you do wonder how. Uh, I mean, I—I'm not. Uh, <coughs> I'm sort of in your camp in terms of I want the investment stuff for the individual people and companies to be even so Americans can act like Americans. I mean, seeing a need and filling it and being able to get capital and be able to, you know, find a place and not have 9,000 permits so you can't get your factory going and stuff like cities seem to want to do. But I also think that the, the government has to... You have to have enough infrastructure and trains and roads and stuff to where this, is, where this happens to people and, and where, where it doesn't impinge on stuff. And yet... I, I don't think they know what they're doing in there. I mean, it seems like fifty years ago people did. I mean they they put the road in the right place most of the time and now I don't I don't know. Everything is everything is I mean, I they're looking at this extension of the red line here in, in Chicago. For God's sake, hell the number on it. It's like it's like eight miles and they want like three billion dollars or something. For a two track yeah,
0: train line. It's
7: crazy. Yeah. It's even crazier in New York. I mean with with the new Congress, one of the rule changes in the new Congress is that uh there's not gonna be any of these omnibus spending bills, it's going to be single subject, and COVID restrictions and emergency funding had to end, right? That was why Car- McCarthy became speaker, right? And the MTA in New York has been surviving on that COVID emergency fund. And the deficit is projected to be like $3 billion by 2025. And they're talking about raising fares 30%. Now, that might sound good, unless demand for subway is the subway is elastic. If the subway demand is elastic, that means a, a small increase in fare thirty percent leads to bigger in, decrease in ridership. Right, and so this actually could backfire. And I think I think demand elasticity on the subway is elastic because. High skilled workers, right, they can work remotely. Everybody else that rides the subway is probably middle income or lower, and if the subway fares go up, they're going to ride less. So it's going to create an even bigger hole in the MTA's budget. And when that happens, guess what's going to happen? There are going to be more people jumping turnstiles. Also, the subways, the subways emptying, the cars emptying means that people who can afford it are going to have emptier cars. They're at the higher end, so the policy kind of benefits them because now they can sit instead of stand.
3: Well, how uh, far away are you for having your own personal subway car back and forth to work?
7: <laughs> I'm, still, uh, I'm still having to pay uh, six bucks round trip. Got
3: it. You know, I haven't seen it in a while, Maddie, and you're not a, much of a, a train guy either. Do they still have that private car that hooks onto the one train in the Northwestern, or did that stopped during COVID.
6: I haven't ridden the the Metra since before COVID, so I, I have no idea.
3: Yeah, there used to be a car here. It was an old, an old Pullman car from way back when, and they you know they re- redid it so it, it would go on a modern train. What I mean by that is it, it worked off head end power, and it was, it's a it's a big deal because uh, the old cars were batteries and generators. And and there was a group of about uh, many what was the number? It was like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty people up in like Glencoe or someplace that that was their train car every day. They rode back and forth on their own train car in the back wow. of the train.
7: That'd
3: be nice. But they had to pay regular fare, and they had to pay, like, you know, 100 bucks a month to each guy to, to be able to ride in that car. See, a, mar-
7: a, a subway system in a market system, instead of run by government, would probably offer differentiated services. But that's the problem with government services. It, it usually just, like, one size fits all, and it, it strips, us, strips, us, strips us of our individuality, it takes us out of a car, and puts us on the standardized service on the subway or standardized service in a school everything standardized in the school the aacsb system forces everybody to comply with what the big boys are doing which diminishes a small university's ability to innovate and and be different from the institutional firm so uh and private system and the subway would probably be much more comfortable uh there'd be different cars for different kinds of customers, Want to pay different prices. The government forces us to, forces us, like socialism, to be all equally poor in the quality of service we receive.
3: Well, it used to be, you know, I, I won't say poor, but at least it was, I don't know, I, the, the the situation back when I, you know, I used to take the train all the time, my aunts and stuff, when I was a little kid. And it was, I'll tell you what, though, it was, you were scrunched, but it was safe, you know, nobody, everybody just did it. I mean, if, I, if you did get pictures, and I'm sure there are somewhere, before there was an orange line here in Chicago it was out the Midway, every, everybody, I mean, if you didn't drive, which very few people did, I mean, if you were on uh, 63rd Street or whatever, you could take the L, because that's where the L was, and that was always jammed. But if it wasn't, if you were anywhere in, the, in, in between there and downtown, there was no other rapid transit. So ev- ev- virtually everybody took the Archer Express. And Archer's an Angle Street, Chicago's a grid system, and Archer and Ogden and the Angle Streets were the old Indian trails, really. And uh, But they remained Angle Streets. Milwaukee on the north side, Lincoln on the north side. So there's like five of them in the city. There were Indian trails in and out of downtown Chicago for in, for essentially Indians. And they have remained in Angle Streets. So you take the Archer Express, and, and they're, they're lined up on State Street. State Street's packed, and there would be... There were, there were buses that were, they were bigger now because they were actually wider. They were too wide to go out of the city. There would be a conductor at the, back, at the back door. So you get on the front or the back, and you're paying. The guy would jam you in the back. Everybody wore a suit and tie and dress shoes and a fedora. I mean, you're all dressed in a nines. And you pile on his bus at you stand there, and thing would hustle down Archer. It would only stop where there was another bus line. So it actually made it down there pretty damn fast. And you hopped on like the Western or the Kedzie or the Ashland bus, and then you went further south. And it, and it worked every day. People did that for like decades. They rode this thing standing up like every. And, you know, somehow, it, maybe people didn't know any better, or hell, but it, it worked and nobody complained. And, no, and nobody, no, no yeah. fights, there were no fights. You know, the thought that you might not have been safe never even crossed your mind. It was, you know, I don't know if it was perfect, but it, it was sort of different. You got off the L, you walked right into Marshall Fields, there was no security down there. Got off the L, and the door was right there. I and mean, can you imagine that today? Letting somebody walk off the, the, the rapid transit right into the basement of your of your high end store, and the first person you yeah. meet is a salesperson at like a nice the Ralph Lauren desk. I mean, the, the thought of that. one well, what,
7: what of the what, one of the issues with the rail is that once the line is built, that's the route, right? And then maybe gentrification moves the center of commerce away from the subway system, and then. In the long run, so the the subway system is bankrupt, right? Because commerce is moving away from that subway line.
1: Well,
3: but you can put
7: that's one of the issues with it because it's it's fixed. I mean, it's there. It's it's where it's at.
3: But you can you can put two rail lines in a spot that is what it's it's a third the size of just a city street. And when what kind of how many people can you put on those two lines? For God's sake, Bazillions, yeah. right? I mean, it's not even. There's a. Have you ever been to Amsterdam? There's a. If they have a, uh, they call it a, a gantlet track. You, you know, you know, you, you don't you guys know what that is, Maddie? The, don't. Well, there's. If, if you walk down this main drag, main main uh, main drag, when I say where all the shops are and stuff, there's no cars there. There's a lot of people walking. There's bikes and stuff. But in the middle of the street, there's there's a rail line. But the, with the rail line, they only go in one direction. But if you look close, there's not two rails. There's four, and the two are. The two are, like, separate, maybe by four inches on each side. So there's actually two rail lines that swing in, and one is on one of the set of tracks and the other is on the other. And, and the whole commerce down the street for maybe a half a mile or a mile are the streetcars. And they come in and they stop. And it, But this, the, the thing is, like, eight feet wide in the middle of the street, and there's two rail lines there compared to a street, you know, a four-lane street.
7: Uh, are they are they competing rail lines? Or no. is, is one offering an express and one is... Uh, no one uh, just comes from a different. Stops.
3: They just come from two parts of the city, and then they merge on this yeah. one line. It's called a gantlet track, where they don't actually switch onto the, the same track. There's two tracks there, so if they come together and one of them doesn't stop, they are going to bang into each other, which you know, <laughs> what, which which you hope doesn't happen. But anyway, uh, enough with that. What? Uh, but I mean, I, I think there is a if 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 we expect the economy to pop up in all kinds of different directions. But a lot of the stuff we're manufacturing stuff here, we aren't. We weren't before. We want a little more military spending. I'm, I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying what we generally seem to want. There's going to be more more companies that are involved in that. And Lou says all kinds of them are in Denver. Uh, we're going to have to have a situation where the government at least stays out of the way. That that you know these things don't have to be bought up by Amazon to get financing or anything like that. Hell, they got they have to be able to do it themselves in, in a way where People can get, the infrastructure doesn't have to be perfect, but it just can't be harming them. You can't not have an exit where all these factories are. You can't, if you need one, you put one there. I mean, you've you got to be aware, you got to at least help out or not detract, I think. I'm not saying you want to, you and I agree, and we don't want every single industry we like we're going to give benefits to. It's sort of like Russia, only a different way, right? We're going to favor this industry, not that industry. But at least you got to sort of help out and stay out of the way if you can do the same thing. I mean, and I don't see that happening so much, but we well, hopefully we have well, some... Well, you
7: know. if we want things to get better, we have to encourage competition. Right. Because a monopoly or an industry dominated by one or two firms uh, doesn't have to be responsive. They don't have to be dynamic. They don't have to be innovative. So all you have to do is encourage a competitor. The problem with that is the established firms... They'll want the competitor. Oh, right. They issue, uh, competitors' vetoes in in states that have con laws, or they just lobby their politicians to say, "Hey, we don't want this here. Here's a bunch of money. Make sure this company goes away," kind of thing, right? Or they'll introduce. Re- they'll be in favor of a regulation that increases the barriers to entry. So, unfortunately, I don't see that happening.
3: No, I don't either. And I and when you look at this. Uh and again, we could we could talk forever. Maybe we should one of these weeks about uh, patent law and, and so forth. But uh, um, the uh, this, this, for instance, this new Alzheimer's drug that just came out, and these guys are uh, it's some company evidently that, that that came up with this, but they had to be bought like by by a bigger guy to be able to to get it through the system, right? It's it's uh it's it's, it's let's see who is this? This is uh, name is Lekembe. L- it's now approved. Uh, um, there's a. I'll, I'll try and get the, the the name of the company here, but it's uh, it's going to be what twenty grand a year or something for this thing, uh, something crazy like that, and uh, you know and, and but they had a, they had there's a big company Bi- in biogen it's approved for like another name other than biogen the biogen is in, in on it as well so my guess is this other company developed it and they ran out of gas couldn't get it through the system. And only a few p- companies are big enough to do it, so they had to basically sell their their, their left leg to, to uh, Biogen to get through the system. But I don't. I mean, it, we we need to stop this. How? Uh, I mean, when you, these firms should be able to get it through themselves. I think.
7: Well, I think the I think people have. This is my personal opinion. I think companies buying other companies. I personally don't think they're doing it to put themselves put the other company out of business. I just think they're trying to acquire another company that's successful because they want to acquire their customers. So when companies buy other companies, I believe, maybe in a market system, maybe not in a system that's heavy regulated and there's monopoly power, but in a, in a relatively free industry, free of government regulation and rules and whatnot, companies buy other companies because they want to purchase that company's customers, right? Because a customer is five times more expensive to find than it is to uh, keep, right? And that's what Amazon's learned. So I, I'm not opposed to companies buying other companies. I just want government creating obstacles and barriers to entry in these spaces. Because that is what's going to keep prices down and quality rising.
3: I, uh, I have two things in that. One I agree and one I want to push back a little bit. If there's two hamburger joints in town, what about Southside hamburger joints, and you want to sell one of the hamburger joints? I don't care who you sell it to, hell, except the other hamburger joint. Just saying.
7: Well, I think I think if that hamburger joint is purchased by the competitor, like maybe McDonald's purchases McDowell's in uh, coming to America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and that 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 monopoly they'll, they'll end up closing in the McDowells across the street, right? Yeah. Well, if. If that company, the new company McDonald's, who's closed McDowell's, starts charging extremely high prices and they have increase in extremely large margins, that invites competitors, uh, competitors, entrepreneurs, they'll buy they want them to take too. A risk. We'll go. Hey, there's margins here. I'm yeah. going to jump across the street and open a new restaurant.
3: Yeah, except I think we're getting to a size here where it doesn't work. nobody I mean uh, I, I think there's a certain. Well, level. that's
7: because the regulations prevent it yeah, from working. Right. Got the con laws right. So what? What a uh, competitor that the incumbent can say. We don't need any more of these kind of businesses or services. So right. I'm issuing a competitor's veto that cost me $500. Hell,
3: yeah, we, got, we got we got 30 seconds. What's the most what's the most fun class you're teaching?
7: I think it's going to be microeconomics because I got this phenomenal system set up on a uh, on a free platform called myopenmath.com and so I'm teaching the class purely as projects. Really? You walk in, you do this multiple part project. So we're going to we're going to learn microeconomic models in a very in-depth way, not in component parts that don't relate to each other. So it's going to be really fascinating. We're so so teaching operations management and linear programming, which is going to be fun too.
3: I did okay in linear programming. Now I couldn't do one if I if I, my wife depended on it. What, what age are these kids? Are these these guys uh, undergrad?
7: Freshman. I'm not teaching graduate school at my, my new college. I'm teaching purely undergrads.
3: So if I came to class, I have to sit with a bunch of freshmen.
7: Yeah, but you're welcome to. And next time you're in New York, man, just come on by. We're in the southern tip of Manhattan,
3: Maddie. You and I in the back row. What do you yeah. think? <laughs> God. SP Futures. We're coming back at only down thirteen. every down fifty nine. Back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Thank you, Hal. Thank you, Maddie.
6: What did we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.